All right, it is um, December 1st, 2018. I'm sitting here talking to Caroline Claire Smith, a young stand-up comic from the Chapel Hill area. Hi. Am I saying that? Good to be here, yeah. I'm from uh, Durham. Okay, cool. And so um, let's just get started and we'll start talking. You know, I, I came here to, you know, open the space at 462 West Franklin, not knowing what to expect or what, what was going to happen. And then one day I saw you come here and do stand-up and had such a unique voice. Um, let's just get, you know, paint a picture for the audience a little bit in terms of how old are you? I'm 16. I turned 16 this past August. August what? 10th. Okay, my other, my daughter's August 14th, uh, so, um, and my mom's August 8th. So, you just turned 16, basically, yes. and you've been doing stand-up for how long? For a little over a year now, yeah. Well, how, how did you get into it? Uh, I just was always a fan. Um, I watched a lot of stand-up specials, and I knew I liked to write, and I, I didn't think that would translate into comedy at all. I would write, like, short stories that weren't really funny. And then um, one day I was just bored, and I was like, let me try to write some jokes. And then I did, and I went to open mics and tried them out. And, like, do you remember some of the first jokes you wrote? Um, ooh... Oh, I'd have to think about that one. There was like a the the first set I ever did was completely clean, and I don't think I've done I've managed to do that since then. I remember I I did one minute, though. I can't think of any off the top of my head. So by your own admission, your sets aren't clean right now. Yeah, no, they're not. What would you call them? Are they dirty? Are they blue? Are they dark? Uh, I think. Dark and blue is a good way to describe it. I don't have a lot of, like, graphic sex material, so I don't know if I would call it dirty, but dark is definitely a good good. Way. I think I, I tackle a lot of, like, dark subjects. But at some point you decided, like, I want to go do an open mic. Yeah. And so how did you find out about the open mics in the area? I just Googled... Um, open mics in like Raleigh Durham area and the first one that came up was at this place um this bar in Raleigh called Deep South it was a music mic and so I just went and yeah I did a minute and then um yeah I think the second mic that I went to was Sam's Quick Shop it's a gas station and uh that's a that was like the first comedy open mic I went to and I met some of the other local comics and they told me like hey get on facebook there's a list of mics in the area because i didn't know that like in order to get good you had to go up like there are people here who go up you know five to seven times a week and that's not uncommon um so yeah i started going up like once a week and then once i found out you could do more than that and there were more than um, there's plenty of mics in the area. I have been going up more. And did you like when you first started doing it? Did you immediately be like, I like this? Yeah, I um, my first open mic. I got more. There was like maybe ten people in the crowd, and they laughed. Um, and yeah, I, I just really liked it. The the adrenaline rush of like, oh, people paid attention to me. These worked kind of. I'll write more, and I did. 
And your family thinks you're funny. They do, yeah. They've been very supportive. I think my parents... My parents are good. I I was talking to them the other day because my jokes are kind of dark and vulgar, and um, they don't really have a problem with that. Like, I know some parents would object to their kids talking about, like, abortion on a stage in front of strangers, but they I think they get that, like, these are jokes and... They're meant to entertain, so that's been great that they've been supportive. And you're in high school? I am, yeah. I'm a junior in high school. Can you say which high school is that? I go to Panther Creek High School in Morrisville. And do people think you're funny there? I mean, you know. Not really. I don't have a a ton of friends there. I don't, people don't really know that I do it. There's a couple teachers that I've ran into, like at bars and at open mics and they found out that way um but I didn't tell anyone I managed to go a full year without anyone finding out because you're not like one of those comics who's on all the time yeah no I'm not I'm not not very riffy I'm I feel like I have much more of like a writer's mindset like I'm very introverted I do like analyze situations before I comment on them usually yeah I don't know I don't riff but when you when you're up there on stage, you bring the heat. Yeah, I try to. And so it's interesting because you know there are a lot of folks who you know they're comics and they're always trying to be funny mm-hmm. off stage, and then they get on stage and there's a difference between the level of, you know, comedy they have off stage and on stage. But yeah. you seem pretty low key, kind of just mellow off stage and just doing your thing, and then you go up there and you do your thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so your eleventh grader going to be a senior next mm-hmm. year. Who are comics that you, you know, that you look up to or listen to right now? Uh, right now, I love, you mean like famous, like just people Anybody, have... anybody you listen to who's on your your phone? Um, well, I think the first comic that I ever saw that like really influenced me was Margaret Cho. And then uh, I've seen her live since then, which was pretty cool. And then uh, Sarah Silverman, for sure. Anthony Jeselnik. Todd Berry. I love like dark deadpan stuff. Um, I don't know. I'm just really drawn to that. And then like Nikki Glaser. And uh, yeah, there's comics that I like that I'm not necessarily influenced by, like Rory Scovel and Zach Galifianakis, who are kind of the opposite of that. And they're like very out there. And you can tell like they're performers more than writers. Um, but I, I like them as well. And where do you think like your your comedy point of view comes from to paint a picture? You you know, when you first came in here, I mean, you you're in a wheelchair. Yeah. So can you tell me a little bit about like the details of that and how that, you know? Yeah, well, I think uh I think being in the wheelchair does kind of give you a unique perspective on the world cuz there's things that like my peers don't have to think about that I do. Um like, you know, most people don't have to worry before they go out to eat whether or not the place is going to be accessible. Um, some of my, the people I go to school with are starting to look at colleges, and in doing so, they they don't have to pay attention at all to, you know, the campus and accessibility. Um, so I wouldn't say, it, it's not like a huge part of who I am as a person, but it does like affect my life. Majorly, and I think I've tried to do some stuff about that, but I don't want to be like defined by that. Um, 
But yeah. And what is and what is it specifically that you you have? Oh, I have cerebral palsy. Okay. Um, I was diagnosed when I was two, and yeah, there's no like cure for it, so I'm gonna have the wheelchair for forever, which I'm fine with because then I can always make jokes about it. Um, but yeah. You do use it to, I guess, your advantage. In yeah, the- I try to. Um, I think that's important. I think there's been a lot of like conversations about diversity in comedy. Like, I'm always, I've always been the girl in the wheelchair. Like, um, I think I've always been different, and I, I love stand up so much because that this is like the one like thing that I can think of where I can use it to my advantage and. Like, I don't necessarily think different being different in comedy is a bad thing. And then, like, you started coming here, like, last year. We, yeah. we got here in 2017. We started doing shows in the fall. We didn't really... Yeah. I don't know if we were allowed to do shows, but mm-hmm. we started doing them um, and as we were building it. And when you first came here, you didn't have the wheelchair, though, right? Or you always did? Uh, no, I always have. I can walk a little bit, um, but... Yeah, for like long distances, I use the wheelchair. I think I, I think I had the wheelchair with me. I don't know. Because you signed up like you were signing up for our classes from the get go. Your dad would bring you here. Yeah, yeah. I took a class. It was about like comedy festivals and submit, and I just submitted to my first one a couple months ago, actually. So. And the the stage here at the pit, Chapel Hill, is wheelchair accessible. So when you saw that, were you like, whoa? Yeah, cool. I was really happy. That's um, that's really unique for not even comedy venues, but just for like bars in general. Because a lot of the places that I perform at don't have that, which I understand because like disabled performers are very uncommon. But also like it is kind of. Uh, annoying to have to require help a lot um so it's really cool that they're the stage here has a ramp and you can get up there by yourself i can yeah See, that's great that is you know that's it that's inspiring you know and i think it's amazing and like i said the reason we're here is because when i saw you get up there and do your comedy i was like wow this person is funny thank you they've got a point of view and i don't know it was just something Thank you. Um, so, your your comedy, your point of view, perspective. I mean, your father and I, we were up there talking earlier today, the three of us, and um, how you just see things in a certain way, you know. Has that always been the way? Uh, I think so, yeah. I think my parents were the first people to ever think that I was, like, funny. Like, I feel like growing up and even now no one thought that I would do comedy because I've I wouldn't say I've always been like a serious person but I just I don't I'm very introverted I don't like I'm only funny around people that I'm very comfortable around um which I think is the case for most people and so I think like writing jokes has helped me like tap into that more as opposed to just like keeping it to myself. And prior to like writing jokes, you were you were writing anyway, right? What kind yeah, of writing? I was writing like small short stories that were just sort of fictional. Um, I, there's my dad has had the same computer for like ten years, and there's word documents of like I, I was big into fairy tales for a while, and I wrote poetry for 
a bit, but I wasn't very good at it. Um, but yeah, I've always liked, I really like how like anonymous you can be in writing. I feel like it's kind of rare, like with acting and like performing, you, you can't really control the way that people see you. But when I'm writing something down, like people don't know I'm in a wheelchair. They don't know what I look like. They can't have any like assumptions about me. All they know is like what they're reading on paper or what they're hearing. I'm just like super into that idea of like I can make it whatever I want. But I mean, also it's like, yeah, absolutely. But also like, you know, you've only been doing this a year, right? Yeah. But like you have already a stage presence when you're up there. Like, you know, you are a performer though too. Yeah. 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 But I don't, I don't know. I think I'm, I, writing is like my passion, like what I'm most into. Writing jokes is my favorite thing. And do you write jokes all the time? What's your process like for putting together material? Yeah, well, I have a um, like a list of premise ideas and joke ideas on my phone, and I'll go through that, and I'll try. I usually try something like at least three times at like an open mic, and then if it works, if it's getting the response that I'm looking for, or even if it's like a slight little chuckle, I'll go home and write more and expand on it. I think. Uh, I didn't used to, I didn't used to have like a system to writing. I would just think, you know, in the moment. But um, now I've like started sitting down at a desk and like just thinking, and it'll come to me, and I'll write it down and try it out. So. And then once you have a joke and you feel like I got this joke, you put it aside, or you continue to work on it in your act. Uh yeah, I continue to work on it. I'm trying to always tag stuff and move stuff around. So wordsmithing it for yourself. Yeah. And then you said you have, you think you have 15 minutes right now. Yeah. Solid 15. Mm-hmm. But we talked about this earlier where I said, do you think you could do five to seven minutes clean for a late night show right now? Uh, yeah, I don't think I could right now. I think, I, I guess I could do the, like, no swear words. Um, but, yeah, a lot of what I talk about is, like, objectionable I guess like school shootings or you know I, I think a lot of stuff wouldn't make it through the filters of like well I mean but. school shootings are objectionable yeah, in general so for I, sure. so I think that's to me that's kind of worse than talking about school shootings yeah but you think you know because you're in a wheelchair and because you're 16 that you can talk and you go to school you're in a high school yeah you think you have, you know, insurance that you can, you're able to say these things that other th- other people might not be able to say. Yeah, definitely. I think uh, the wheelchair in combination with like blonde hair, young, very innocent looking, uh, people don't expect the dark humor. And so once I start talking, like by the time people are like, oh, this is rude, like this is whatever, it's kind of too late to like object to it. <laughs> Um, yeah, I try to use that to my advantage. But it seems like even in this time, like, people are triggered. Yeah, definitely. And I don't understand that, especially, like, teenagers. I think that's part of the reason why I don't, like, advertise it at my school, because I just don't want that, especially with, like, social media. You know, people lose their jobs over tweets, especially, I think... 
the context makes a huge difference. Like, I'm never going for, um, you know, I'm not trying to be an asshole ever. I'm just genuinely going for the joke. Like, I want a laugh. (laughs) Um, And I think that's an important thing that people are overlooking. Like, you, you can be offensive and crude as long as it's funny. So funny, like, to you, that's the bottom line. You want to get a laugh. Yeah. I think as long as you're going for funny, say whatever you want and, like, yeah. I mean, do you think you have, like, being young and 16 and being in high school, do you think there's a responsibility to, like, we got to talk about school shootings and I'm going to do it in a funny way or Um, it's just something that, you know, you're interested? Yeah, I wouldn't say a, a responsibility, but I think it's something that I definitely think about, especially when, like, you know, you have to do lockdown drills where you're, like, sitting in the corner of the classroom and... Yeah, it's definitely something that gets brought up a lot. And I think also um, a kind of like fear that I have, I don't want to sound too much like a 16-year-old because I think that puts sort of a division between me and an audience. So I think school shootings are a way that I can talk about being a high school student without necessarily sounding like one, and which you guys I like. Have, you guys have lockdowns at your high school? Yeah. Yeah, we have to do drills, I think, twice a year is what's required, so. And that's something recent or the whole time you've um, been in high school? No, I, we've been doing them since elementary school, but I think it's it's increased with the recent school shootings that have been, like, yeah, in high school it's increased. Do you think, like, people in high school, there is a real fear of, like, there could be a shooter that comes into our high school? Is that something that... Um, Is omnipresent? I don't... Yeah, I guess so. Um, yeah. I don't... We we don't really talk about it too much in class because it's, like, a sensitive subject that, like, teachers, I think, try to stay away from because they don't want to, like, bring it up. But I'm sure for a lot of high school kids, it's, like, a fear... So. so, I mean, you're, you're going into your second semester junior year. Yeah. Do you like school? No. Um, <laughs> I don't really... I, I like writing, like I said, but I think high school English classes don't really... Um, haven't really helped me that much as a writer because, like, I'm not good at, like, analyzing stuff, which I think a lot of... That's all high school English is, is reading something and regurgitating it and analyzing it. Like... I could write school shooting jokes all day long, but if you give me like the Great Gatsby, I don't know what, I don't know what it is. Um, so, yeah, I'm not, I'm not really a school person. <laughs> but you do it. I mean, you go through. You know, you've got another year and a half, roughly. Yeah. And then, what is it you want to do after that? Uh, I, I do think I want to try college. Um, yeah, and then. My my ultimate goal, like I'd love to write for TV or um, satire. I love a good satire. <laughs> I love to like get into that. What, what would be your dream job right now if you could have like any job? Just like writing on a sitcom during the day and then doing stand up at night. That would be a great great time. And is there a sitcom that you really like? Um, no, I think I would want to like. Create you mean to write on that yeah. I would uh What are the sitcoms that you like that you're like 
that make you want to write and create your own sitcom? Yeah, well, I liked um, Parks and Rec, Archer. I love Archer. Um, yeah, th- those are great. Um, I wasn't a big Friends fan. I feel like that was kind of a, um, that's what people think of when they think of a sitcom, but I think there's, like, really smart jokes in Archer, and it's also, like, right up my alley, like, very kind of dirty and vulgar. (laughs) And your dad said you were working on your own sitcom. A little bit, yeah. I had an idea for, like, kind of like an office-style, like, mockumentary show that was set in a public high school. I didn't really, I wrote like 10 small, like six to seven page episodes. And uh, yeah, I didn't really do anything with it because I don't have, I don't know that many people who are like actors or into film, but. But you wrote 10, six to seven page episodes? Yeah. That's like a whole webisode. Yeah. Like a webisode is like 10 episodes of, yeah. you know, five to six minutes. And what is the, can I ask what the story is about? Uh, yeah, I, well, I just have, like, um, a group of six high school kids, and they're kind of, like, distant from each other, and then um, are brought together just being in high school, like, the characters that I have. Um, I had a character who was a girl in a wheelchair um, that was just a total asshole and, like, such a bad person, like, just a terrible person because I feel like there's that stereotype of disabled people being very like good and pure and and then I had the high school stereotypes like the football player and the nerd and the uh, foreign exchange student I don't know yeah I tried to like put kind of a modern spin on it um cheerleaders Stuff like that. Wow, that's cool. And what about like movies? Are movies something that you like or writing movies? I don't, I, I haven't really re- gone into that. I have a kind of a short attention span, so I think TV shows are more, um, I'm, I'm more into TV shows, but. And how yeah. often like are you getting up to do stand-up? To do stand-up? Um, probably now for to six times a week six times a week is like a good uh that's like a high but in the summer when i didn't have school i was getting up every single night because i i didn't didn't have school wait a minute every where to tell me like what is a week of getting up every night look for you look like for you uh so it was like monday well there's the the facebook group for the triangle comedy sundays were a hard day to get up but um there's like you know the good nights mic and uh so what night is that that would be tuesday monday i would do um, tuesday is good nights open mic yeah you show up you sign up yeah you get how many minutes you get three okay and then uh thursday there was like neptunes or comedy works mondays emerge um wednesdays i'm trying to Oh, the outpost, and then occasionally the good nights would have like main room shows that I would be on, and then um, yeah, Fridays was like Dirty Bowl and uh, Late Night Dip, and then the Growler mic that started at the end of summer, 
and Saturday was Sam's Quick Shop, and Sunday there wasn't, there was one, I don't remember where it was, but um, some restaurant, it was, it happened for like three weeks, and then they closed down, but yeah, in the summer it wasn't uncommon for me to, because you could like double dip, so go from one mic to another, um, so I did that a ton. And your dad's driving you around usually? Uh, no, I, I usually carpool with other comics now. Um, when I first started, he would drive me, he or my mom would drive me um, everywhere, which was really cool of them. But yeah, now I feel like I know people well enough to like ask for rides because they know I can't drive. <laughs> so. Well, that's cool. I mean, it seems like you've got, you know, you've got a writing process. You're doing yeah. open mics. Mm-hmm. You've got this webisode you're working on. Yeah. And you're in school right now. Yeah. You still yeah. got to do your schoolwork, your homework yeah, and stuff? Yeah, I do. Um, uh, my parents have been kind of, I don't want to say lax with grades, but, like, they understand that, you know, I'm not, I'm not getting into Harvard anytime soon. Like, they know I'm not an academic, um, so they don't really... They're not expecting me to get, like, straight A's to do comedy, but as long as I'm doing decent and I'm showing up, then they let me go to mics. And, yeah, I feel like I've done a good job proving that I can, like, balance the two. And your dad, I mean, you know, he dropped you off here, and we were chatting beforehand, and, you know, he seemed very supportive. And he said you call him up and you run bits by him. I do sometimes, yeah. Um... I also, well, now most of the time I run bits by, like, other comics, uh, like, you know, shoot each other Facebook messages or, um, like, run them by them at mics, but, yeah, um, sometimes I'll run jokes by my parents if I feel like they're not too morbid. <laughs> but they, they, they come and watch you, right? Sometimes, yeah, yeah. Uh, since I've been like carpooling with people, they haven't as much. Um, but yeah, they've they come to see me every once in a while. Does that make you, you know, are you worried about them hearing you say your dark stuff? Or your... No, but I do think, um, like, and they they know I've talked about this with them when they like come with me and hang out. Um, comics aren't as like likely to come up to me and like have a conversation like I think there's already a division because they know that I'm young and like when I walk into the club with my dad it definitely like makes me seem younger and like stand out more so um yeah I think they they get that like I like to be able to hang out with comics and them just like be able to join in on the conversation which I feel like I sometimes can't do if they're with me all the time. Um, You're 16, too, yeah. so it's like, you know. Yeah. You know, who wants their parents around? I mean, you know, you still want to get yeah. up there and just be one of the comics. Yeah, for sure. But, I mean, still, are there, are there any other 16-year-old comics in the area that you know of or young comics your age? No. Um, there were, I think, three or four years ago, um, like just a mass of of young comics like you know Maddie Weiner and Kenyon Adamchek a uh, bunch of people there was like Vishal Krishnasamy they all kind of started together um but now i think the youngest besides me is 20 so there's definitely 
you know, I would love it if there were another comic in high school, but as of right now, I'm the only one. Wow. And so, do you have an idea of where you want to go to college? You said college was something you were interested in trying. Yeah, I don't. I think I'll go to community college first, um, and then transfer. I was thinking about D.C., because I don't think I could live in New York or Chicago just accessibility-wise. Like, it's not very (laughs) wheelchair-friendly. But, I don't know, D.C. is very expensive (laughs) to live in. And I guess getting around to do open mics in D.C., I mean, they have them. I go to D.C. once a year at D.C. Improv, and, you know, Allison at D.C. Improv is great, and I don't know if their stage is wheelchair accessible, Um, but um, what about L.A.? Because your dad had mentioned some idea of, like, you know, getting a place right beside the comedy store. Yeah, in a dream world, that would be be awesome. Yeah, um, I haven't been out to LA to like scope it out and see how accessible it is but I would consider that um you've been to New York I have yeah briefly did you do any mics there no I didn't I went to see Book of Mormon with my mom and then we flew back the next day so and so you know you're doing all these mics here you know I mean and do you eventually, you know, want to go to New York just for a weekend to try do mics and stuff? Yeah, I think so. That would be a lot of fun. I'd be interested to see how many of them would let me in because I think there's they're more strict with age up there. Maybe I don't know. Is DC because you know on account of Chappelle started doing stand up in DC and he was like seventeen? Yeah. Um, I don't know. I haven't done mics in D.C. either. I, I went there on like a school field trip. Mm-hmm. I've never done comedy out of state before yet. Do you, when you do your sets, do you record them all? I do, yeah. I have the voice memos app on my phone and I just record them there and title it the location and the date. And I listen to all of them the night that I do it. And um, yeah. This podcast brought to you by Voice Memos. No, I just thought I'd do that as a little bit. Um, but who knows? Hey, Voice Memos, if you're interested. Because um, that's what we're recording on as well. As well as an iPhone 8 and a Zoom IQ. I mean, someone's got to cover the cost of this, Caroline. Right? Yeah. Um, so, and you, you got it, but you're writing it down. Do you do it by hand or you just put it in your phone? Um, usually, I'll put it in my phone to start. And then once I've tested it out and added more tags onto it, and I feel like it's you know, a decent joke, I have a notebook that I'll write it down in. I have two notebooks. One is like a joke book and the other is just set lists that's like bullet points with what I want to talk about. Um, So you can just do it off your bullet points now? Yeah. Once you have your jokes written, here's the wordsmithing of the joke. Yeah. It's on your set list, then you know. Yeah. And you you remember it in your head or do you have to look down? Uh, no, I don't. When I, I remember it now because when I started, I used to always have to bring notes up with me and it wasn't even because I forgot the jokes. I was just nervous and I would like psych myself out. Like I didn't think I could memorize them, so I didn't even try. Um, but I feel like that, yeah, I feel like I don't need to as much anymore as long as I write it down before and glance at it right before I go up. I, I try not to bring it on with me. And how many sets do you think you've done? <sighs> Roughly. Maybe, probably at least 100 now. Wow. Wow. 
you've come a long way for doing a hundred sets. Thank you. <laughs> I, yeah, I don't. I don't know. I'm not at this point. Yeah, probably. And do you have you ever? I mean, every time I've seen you here at the pit in Chapel Hill, you seem to do well. Have you ever bombed? Oh yes. Yeah, um, I bombed. Uh, I think the the worst I've ever bombed was the second open mic that I went to, and um, I don't remember. I think it was at the same bar as the first one, and I just forgot my own joke, which has happened to me twice now, but, like, that, I haven't done that a whole lot, and I just forgot the joke and stood there blankly, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I, I hate mean, bombing. But that's, you, that's the second time you did it. Has it been any time recently where you didn't feel like you did well? Uh, recently, yeah, there was a, a couple open mics ago that like I tried something new and it just fell flat and then yeah but I mean that happens though yeah I know it's a part of it but it's still it sucks especially when uh like the previous night you did really well and then you bomb and it it's very like humbling (laughs) because right you when you kill you feel like on top of the world and then you bomb and you're like I'm not good at this right. <laughs> which that's is not the, true but it's the roller coaster it's like you can have it one day and have your swing and the next day where did it go yeah what happened I was doing the same thing it got a laugh yeah I think that's the nature of anything you know whether it's golf or stand up comedy one day it's like you got it the next day what happened my swing was there yeah um, do you do stuff outside the this triangle area do you go to Asheville or other places yet the furthest I've been is Greensboro um my, on next on my list, I'd like to go to Dead Crow in Wilmington. Mm-hmm. I haven't been there yet. That's where uh, Cliff Cash. Yeah, that's his home uh, comedy club, right? Oh, I didn't know that that was his home club. Yeah, he but... was great. He came here. You see him here? Yeah. He was great. I mean, that guy is like an old school stand up. Yeah. Yeah. He's real funny. He's real naturally funny. Great storyteller. Goes on. Um, and so, what about these stand ups that you know, the, the Margaret Shows, the Sarah Silvermans, you know, that you mentioned? What is it that you know you just their point of view, their perspective. Yeah, I think I just liked how like honest they were and they just they told their jokes and didn't really care what I mean, I guess all comics care what people think and that's why you do it to get, you know, approval, but like um yeah, they were just they did their jokes and that was them and right. they, and you don't do. You're not really a character person. You're just doing. No. Your you, your your thing is Caroline Claire Smith. Caroline Smith. Yeah. And her point of view and just doing your your jokes. Yeah. Your, and I don't even tell stories necessarily about my life. I I just want the laugh. Like most of the jokes that I do are totally made up. And I think part of that is like I'm 16. I don't really have any major life experience yet um but yeah yeah and so you know hopefully you might be doing a show here maybe Mm -hmm. yeah i'd love to start uh producing i think that'd be really fun well i think we'd love to have you here doing a show where you kind of produced it and then you like you know pick the five or six people you want doing the show and, and doing it um well i think that's i think that's a pretty good layer what do you think caroline yeah 
Thank you for doing this. Yeah, thank you for having me. I mean, I look forward. I mean, like I said, when I saw you, you know, here, a lot of times I wonder why did I come to back to Chapel Hill after leaving 28 years? And when I saw you, you know, wheel yourself up there and get up there and do your stuff, I said, man, maybe this is the reason. Oh, thank you. Maybe that's why I came back. <laughs> thank you. All right, we've been talking to Caroline Claire Smith here on December 1st. 2018. Look out for her uh, wherever she's doing stand-up or writing. I'm sure you'll hear from her and see her soon. She just turned 16, but, you know, already a very immense talent with a stage presence and a very unique, authentic voice. You've been listening to the Pit Chapel Hill at 462 West Franklin Street in lovely downtown Chapel Hill on Franklin. Have a wonderful day.